0: If you have a home but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think. find out how much at airbnb.com/host Hello Hello <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia Network Asia
1: each Murder Stories does not condone nor promote violence of all sorts.
0: Viewer discretion is advised. The Philippines is one of the most family-oriented countries across the globe. Most father-daughter relationships are very meaningful. Some Filipino fathers tend to become overprotective of their daughters to the point. That they become too overbearing and possessive. Our episode for today that happened in the 1960s takes overprotective and overbearing fathers to a whole new level that ends up becoming one of the most infamous murder cases in the Philippines.
1: On January 18, 1961, one of the most infamous murders in the 1960s jolted the entire nation after news reports came out about a policeman who committed suicide after shooting his very own wife, daughter, and son-in-law. This story features the Kabading family murders. It was a tragic case of a father's wrath that turned into a deadly rampage. Pablo Cabading, the father, persuaded Lydia, his daughter, and Leonardo Kitangon, his son-in-law, to stay and live at his residence on Zapote Street, located in Makati, which was then part of Rizal province. What seemed like adjusting to a father-in-law's eccentricities turned out to be more than that, as Pablo was a very difficult person to deal with. He refused to let his daughter and her husband live freely on their own. So to keep the family intact, blinded by rage, he ended up murdering his family.
0: Pablo Cabading, the head of the household, is a member of the Manila Police Department. Based on award-winning journalist Nick Joaquin's article, The House on Zapote Street, Pablo was an egotistic and vain man that instilled his authority over his family. Due to his roots and involvement with the police force, he has made a lot of connections with powerful politicians. He married Asuncion, a reserved woman who was quick to her husband's demands even if he was unreasonable. They have their only daughter, 23-year-old Lydia, and a young adopted son named Eduardo. Aside from the family members, the Kabading family also had two housemaids 15-year-old Normalinda Agapuz and 12-year-old Corazon Verzosa, and two guard dogs. Before passing the medical board exams, Lydia was a medical intern at the University of Santo Tomas, where she met her future husband, 35-year-old Leonardo Kitangon, who also taught medicine at the same university. Like a typical overprotective, albeit overbearing, father over his daughter... Pablo would threaten boys who expressed interest in courting Lydia. Eventually, Lydia's parents find Leonardo as an acceptable male suitor for their daughter. He is a genuinely kind, loving person who devoted his life to helping Lydia succeed, despite her father's peculiarities.
1: After passing the medical board exams, Lydia and Leonardo decided to take their relationship to the next level and eventually express their marriage plans to Pablo, which did not bode well with him initially. Pablo's overprotectiveness over his daughter was so ridiculous up to the point that he would meddle between Lydia and Leonardo's relationship and even be present during romantic dates. Eventually, Lydia's persistence paved off as she got her father to agree to let her marry Leonardo. But Pablo gave his daughter and his soon-to-become son-in-law conditions before he reluctantly agreed, such as to live in the Kabading family residence, throw a lavish wedding, and pay a dowry worth 5,000 pesos. In Filipino tradition, a dowry is a gift of substantial monetary value that the groom's family provides to the bride to fulfill a symbol of marriage as a union of two families.
0: Leonardo initially agreed to most of the conditions put forward by Pablo, but begged off to pay a dowry worth 5,000 pesos as it was a tremendous amount for him to provide at the time. But Pablo was hard in his demands and would not allow Lydia to marry Leonardo without the dowry. Without any choice, Leonardo worked really hard for several weeks but was only able to earn 3,000 pesos. Surprisingly, Pablo compromised and eventually agreed to reduce his earlier demand and accepted the 3,000 pesos from Leonardo.
1: Just as demanded by Pablo Cabading, Lydia and Leonardo had a lavish wedding held at Manila Cathedral on September 10, 1960 with notable sponsors from powerful clans and politicians such as then-senator and former president Ferdinand Marcos Sr. and the wife of former Cavite governor, Delfin Montano. Unfortunately for the newlyweds, their wedding day will be the only good memory they will have together as the Kabading family patriarch made things worse for everyone but himself. According to Leonardo's friends, Pablo was very controlling, so ridiculous that he didn't even allow the newlyweds to enjoy their honeymoon. Pablo truly felt like he was the center of everyone's lives. Even after they became married, Lydia and Leonardo had to follow a set of house rules imposed by Pablo, which was deemed too unreasonable and absurd, especially by today's standards.
0: Pablo imposed a very strict curfew, as stated by Jean Kitangon, Leonardo's younger brother, in Nick Joaquin's article. There was an instance when Leonardo's car broke down in the middle of the night, and he went home to his family's house in Santa Mesa, Manila. He looked terrified and told his family that he would spend the night because he had already missed the curfew imposed by Pablo. Leonardo uttered the words, quote, You don't know my father-in-law. Everybody in that house must be in by a certain hour. Otherwise, the gates are locked, the doors are locked, and the windows are locked. Nobody can get in anymore." Jean was dumbfounded and found Pablo's ridiculous demands way too excessive to believe, until he accompanied his elder brother back to the house on Zapote Street on the same night. According to Jean, quote, "...that memory makes my blood boil. My eldest brother fearfully clanging and clanging at the gate, and nobody let him in. I wouldn't have waited for a second, but he waited 5-10 minutes, knocking at that gate, begging to be let in. I couldn't have it." In the end, Pablo did not let Leonardo come home that night and came back the next day instead, and was greeted sarcastically by his father-in-law. Hi, I'm si Earl, ang inyong campmaster sa Philippine Campfire Stories podcast. This podcast is about stories of myths, legends, and true horror stories from the Philippines narrated in Tagalog, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Listen to Philippine Campfire Stories available in all major podcast platforms.
1: Another ludicrous instance of Pablo Cabading's atrocious attitude happened when Lydia took her oath as a physician. Pablo informed Leonardo that he was not welcome to accompany the family to the ceremony as he did not pay for her education. Leonardo's father-in-law asserted that he does not deserve to share his wife's glory even though he helped her study for the board exams. It led Leonardo to think of how he wanted to live his life the way he envisioned for himself and his wife. Lydia also wanted what her husband desired but was too scared to let her father know. But Leonardo was willful and went on to inform Pablo of their plans. Pablo did not take it lightly. He told Leonardo, If she goes with you, I'll shoot her head before your eyes, It appears that Pablo had escalated into a whole new form of evilness. How could a father talk about shooting his very own daughter in the head? Nonetheless, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. After two months of living with his wife's family, Leonardo finally moved out of that hellish household.
0: Leonardo couldn't take it anymore and could we blame him? He expected to live happily with his wife, Lydia, and not to be under the spell of Pablo's overbearingness. Months have passed since Leonardo moved out of the Cabading family residence, and Pablo made it even harder for the married couple to communicate with one another. Leonardo would come from time to time to check on his wife, but Pablo didn't allow him to go inside the house. Even his parents tried to talk to Pablo, but failed to find a resolution. After all, it's hard to find a solution to a problem that shouldn't exist in the first place, particularly with overbearing and egotistic fathers causing unreasonable trouble to other married couples, especially with their daughters.
1: A week before their eventual deaths, Lydia finally had enough of her father's wrath. She was pregnant though it wasn't stated whether it was Leonardo's child or her father raped her. What matters to Lydia at the time is that she reunited her husband and escaped the cruelty that she had been enduring under her father. Lydia called Leonardo on an early Sunday morning and told him that she wanted to run away and start a new life with him, removing the shackles put on by her wicked father. She asked Leonardo to pick her up at a certain church. At the meetup location, Leonardo picked up Lydia and Eduardo, her foster brother, whom she probably asked to come along to have a reason to come out of the house. They dropped off Eduardo at a nearby street and went on their way to Maragondon Cavite, where Leonardo's family had a house. But before they arrived at their destination, Leonardo already knew what his father-in-law was capable of, so he stopped by a gas station to call his brothers and let them know about his and his wife's plans. He also warned his brothers to get their mother out of the house as Pablo Cabading would surely show up at their residence in Santa Mesa.
0: Leonardo's hunch became a reality as Pablo and his wife, Asuncion, showed up the morning after their daughter disappeared and were met by Leonardo's two younger brothers, Jean and Onilo. According to Jean, Pablo was furious about what had happened. Lydia's father brought a submachine gun and pointed it at Jean and said, quote, Produce my daughter at once or I'll shoot you all down. Unquote. Jean held his composure and peacefully asked Pablo to come inside the house and talk decently about the matter so it would not cause a scandal in the neighborhood. Pablo lowered his gun, denied Jean's invitation, and said, quote, I give you till midnight tonight to produce my daughter. If you don't, you better ask the police to guard this house, unquote.
1: Jean had a choice, whether to go to the police and report Pablo's outrage, or to go to the house on Zapote Street and peacefully fix things with the cabadings. He chose the latter. Jean bravely faced Pablo in the House of Horror and informed him that he would try to convey his concern to Lydia and Leonardo, but insisted that it was up to the couple to decide if they wanted to come back or not. Fortunately for Jean, Pablo did not take him the wrong way and mildly received his responses.
0: As days passed since Lydia moved out of her family's house, Pablo Cabading was seen lurking around, driving a taxi along the routes in the Kitangon family residence, hoping to catch his daughter. On the other hand, given the lack of job opportunities in Maragondon, Leonardo and Lydia had no choice but to come back to Manila. But they plan on renting an apartment to suffice their current living situation. As soon as they came back to Manila, particularly in the Kitangon residence in Santa Mesa. Both Lydia and Leonardo are cautious and scared of what Pablo will do once he finds out that they are back. The couple's concerns led Leonardo's father and his brothers, Jean and Nonilo, to look for ways to find a resolution with Pablo, and once and for all, solve this matter.
1: The family patriarchs met in the house on Zapote Street to discuss fixing the situation. Surprisingly, Pablo Cabading was in a good mood and informed Leonardo's father that he had already accepted Lydia's decision to move out of his house. The Kitangons were thrilled about what had transpired with the meeting of two family patriarchs. They impulsively invited Pablo back to their residence in Santa Mesa, to help mend fences with his daughter and Leonardo.
0: As soon as they arrived, Pablo was in good spirits. He finally got to see his daughter since she ran away, telling her she didn't have to escape as he would have let her live separately with her husband. The problem seemed to have been solved when Pablo repeated his prior announcement in the Kitangan family living room. That he was allowing his daughter to live separately with Leonardo. Everyone in the room was happy, which prompted Jean to treat everyone to a feast at Maxis in Quezon City to celebrate.
1: As everyone in this story thought the overbearing father of the bride problem was over, Pablo seemed to have pulled off a ruse to get everyone's trust back after showing his devious and outrageous acts. In the morning after the celebration, Pablo called the Kitangons and told them to inform Lydia that her mother, Asuncion, was ill and asked if she could come and visit her ailing mother. Lydia and Leonardo went to the house on Zapote Street to visit Asuncion and found that she seemed fine, so they both left to carry on with their plans for the day. Leonardo had a class to teach that day. So he dropped Lydia off at his family's home in Santa Mesa and went straight to the university. Moments later, Pablo called again and claimed that Lydia's mother refused to eat and kept on asking for her to accompany her mother back at home.
0: Jean and Donilo decided to accompany Lydia back to her parents' home so they could also grab her things that needed to be moved to her new apartment. After arriving back at the Cabading residence, Jean and Donilo sensed that Lydia's mother wasn't sick. They saw her lying on the sofa in a neatly spread towel, acting as if she was asleep. There were also no signs that Mrs. Cabading was suffering from any illness. It seemed like Pablo forced his wife to act sickly so their daughter would come home. Even Lydia knew that her father was fooling with her, so she went to her room instead to gather the things that needed to be moved to her new apartment.
1: As soon as Lydia went upstairs to her room, Asuncion followed her. On the other hand, Pablo, Jean, and Nonilo were discussing Lydia's living situation again. In contrast to what Pablo announced the day before, he now insisted that Lydia should be living in his residence. He even told Leonardo's brothers, quote, I built this house for Lydia, and this house is hers. If she and her husband want to be alone, my wife and I will move out of here, turn this house over to them, Unquote. Jean defended his brother and Lydia's decision and firmly told Pablo that the couple really wanted to live separately. Afterward, loud noises came from Lydia's room, It sounded like Lydia and her mother were having a struggle. Pablo promptly excused himself from the guests and went upstairs to see what was happening. In a surprising turn of events, Lydia, together with her father, came downstairs. She was tightly holding a large crucifix, which concerned both Jean and Nonilo. She surprisingly asked her two brothers-in-law to go home and inform Leonardo to pick her up later. It appears that Pablo had trapped his daughter in their house again. This time, there's no escape.
0: Jean and Onilo were dumbfounded about what had recently transpired. They called Leonardo to inform him about the recent events as soon as they got home. When Leonardo learned about what had happened, he got terrified for his wife as he felt that her father would violently beat her for leaving their household. Before rushing to the house on Zapote Street, Leonardo picked up Nonilo at their house in Santa Mesa, then went together to the Cabading residence hoping to save Lydia. Jean couldn't come with him as he had prior commitments that he needed to attend at the time. As soon as Leonardo and Nonilo arrived, Pablo Cabading was downstairs and informed Leonardo that his wife was upstairs. Leonardo went up while Pablo entertained Nonilo and provided him with coffee. Moments later, Nonilo heard a woman scream from upstairs, making Pablo check what the commotion was about. According to Nonilo, he saw Pablo go upstairs to Lydia's room and close the door behind him. Then, he heard four gunshots which made him run out of the house as he feared that Pablo was out to shoot him next. Donilo went to a nearby gas station and called his brother Gene to inform him about what had just happened. Gene canceled his prior plans, tasked the family member to call the police, and rushed to the Cabading's right away. Meanwhile, Eduardo, the young adopted son of the Cabading's, and the two maids were safe as they rushed out of the house as soon as they
1: heard gunshots. When the police arrived at the crime scene, they found blood splatters all over Lydia's room. They first found Asuncion, who was shot in the chest and stomach, and was still alive. She even uttered the words, quote, My hand, my hand, it hurts, unquote, as she was seen lying next to her daughter, who was found lying on top of her husband. Lydia and Leonardo died instantly after both getting shot in the chest areas. Lydia was found by the authorities still clutching an armful of clothes while Leonardo was holding a clothes hanger. The perpetrator, Pablo Cabading, also died instantly and was found lying in his daughter's bed with his eyes wide open. He shot himself in the right side of his head Based on the trajectory of the bodies at the crime scene, it appears that Pablo shot his daughter while protecting her husband. On the other hand, Asuncion tried to shield her daughter before getting shot.
0: The Cabading Family Murders in 1961 became the inspiration for National artist for Literature, Nick Joaquin's non-fiction piece entitled The House on Zapote Street. Two decades later, the case also inspired a film directed by Mike De Leon, entitled Kisap Mata, which starred Charo Santos Concho as the daughter of the antagonistic father. The film was hailed as one of the best Filipino films of all time. Indeed, the Kabading Family Murders is one of the most tragic family-oriented cases our show has covered. We could only hope that our generation today and the future generations to come would set a better example as parents. To our dear listeners, this episode is our finale for Season 2. Our team will take a short break as we prepare for Season 3. Our upcoming episodes will reveal your guilty pleasures regarding true crime stories even more. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening on other platforms, kindly send us a review on our Facebook page, or send us a tweet. You can also share our podcast to your Instagram and Facebook stories through Spotify. We're also inviting you to join our Facebook group, PH Murder Stories The Verdict, and participate in our discourse about true crime, both local and international. This group is a safe space for true crime and mystery fans like us who want to engage in thorough discussions about the subject.
1: To all our listeners, we hope you could support us on Patreon. If you're fond of online shopping, you can also help our team earn a small commission by clicking our Lazada and Shopee affiliate links found in the description. Any amount you contribute will enormously help support our team to produce more quality content.